Welcome one, welcome all, and welcome back to the sixth episode of the Transform Your Game podcast. My name is Richard, and I'll be your host and moderator for our duration here. I am today joined digitally by my three wonderful co-hosts, Kent. What's up? Kai. New Horizons. And Joel. Hey there. Uh, a big thank you to all you listening out there in the ether. Uh, thanks for joining us today as we embark on what is likely to be our shortest episode of the cast thus far. A quick aside, that is not me challenging you guys, uh, Ken Kai and Joel, to prove me wrong. I repeat, not a challenge. I'm not trying to get us to have like, a really long <laughs> one. Um, I know a lot of places are headed into larger-scale shutdowns as far as activities and businesses go outside of the game, but at least we all have time to listen to more podcasts. Uh, jokes aside, I hope you all can join us in trying to have a little fun today as we wax poetic about spoiler season and the hubbub surrounding it. A light update on the event news. I know Origins, uh, which has a large open-level tournament for the Transformers TCG on its schedule, I sent out an email last week to people who had uh, pre-ordered badges. They were making uh, – they set a date for a go-no-go no go decision. Basically, on May 1st, they're going to inform people of whether or not the – the entire event is going to go on, um, which you know directly impacts the tournament. Uh, it's happening or not as well. Um, on top of that, it looks like most of the other events are rescheduling to like late summertime, August or so, uh, tentatively speaking. Uh, we'll pass along any other relevant information as it comes to us that we hear, uh, just so y'all can have it in a convenient place, and also in the interest of kind of keeping people as informed as we can in the community. One last thing to mention is that the release of Titan Masters Attack is less than a month away now. And the local game store near you that carries and supports the game that we love could really use your help. Uh, support them when and however you can. Make sure to buy your product from them, um, you know, barring any difficulty. Maybe they're shut down or something like that. But also let them know that you have interest in picking stuff up from them because it helps them kind of like anticipate uh, any money flow coming in during kind of a difficult time. Now, the time we've all been waiting for is upon us. Spoilers. I want to dive in, guys. How about you? Let's do it. Yeah, man, let's do it. Okay, I know normally you start with characters, uh, but we actually have no new characters as of the time of this recording. Uh, no traditional, no body, no head, none of those. There's only seven left out of the 46 in this set anyway, at least according to uh, Computron's lab. Uh, and I know we talked last week about some potential for Megatron and Optimus and what their heads might do. Uh, but do you guys have any ideas uh, on who the remaining three characters after those four might be? Maybe it's like a Titan Master or not? Um uh, or do you have any idea of any of the, like, the four stratagems that we have left? Do you guys have any speculation on what's maybe still left, the New Horizon? The only one I think might actually happen is the one that's a partner to Wingspan. The I don't remember his name. Pounce? Pounce, yep. Yeah, I think because uh, uh, Wes, Wes of uh, Powered by Primus Day, he has a whole list up that, and I haven't checked it in a while, but I think Pounce is still on the list and Top Spin, I think, maybe. I don't remember too much, but yeah. I think it might just be those two, other than Megatron and Optimus. Uh, Topspin is a Titan Master, right? He's yes. A, he's a body? I think so. Lore Master, can you check that for us? I, I just know him from uh, Gen 1. I don't know that he's specifically a Titan Master, but I know that he was the partner to... Uh... Twin twist, yes. Twin twist, drill tank, the guy who I argued to be—I don't know if you guys remember this—I argued for him to be ranged because he has so many guns on his art. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember that. Like, I know he is a drill, but, like, there's, like, five guns on this art. It's so many guns. Um, what about the stratagems? Like, I know we, we still have four left. I don't know if we're going to get any rear-facing ones still or if there's any related to any of the characters in the set. Again, I'm still holding out hope for a stratagem for Skywarp teleporting Seeker from Wave 2. Sure, yeah, I could see that. I could see that, or um, the King Star Scream, just to keep that train rolling. Because I, I think it's only like two or three of the retro ones at most. Uh, as far as stratagems go, the if it's anything that has to do with upcoming bots, whenever they release a new bot that has a stratagem that goes with it, they usually release them together. Sure. So, so if it has anything to do with this set specifically, that's why we haven't seen it yet, or any of the remaining seven bots. Yeah, I feel like we've gotten a lot of the rare ones that are retro-facing, so I wouldn't be surprised to see like some common or uncommon ones that are more about the characters in the set. I, I do think, I have a suspicion that they might have a, a stratagem for Optimus and Megatron. I was thinking about that today. Ooh, that would, that'd be pretty juicy. Yeah, because... Like I think a leader had, stratagem? Is that um, what oh, you're they, thinking? Ooh, that would be so cool, yeah, too. That would God, be cool. That would be cool. I feel like the potential for stratagems is so dope. Like it's really, I feel like it's it's a very deep mechanic. Sorry to use such vernacular. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I can't I can't turn all of it off. I can't. I, I I have a feeling that would be a way to really kind of like make them feel unique to this wave. I, I feel like a lot like there have been some really cool things about Optimus and Megatron that have like even though Megatron has kind of missed the mark a lot. They all feel like they're doing something with the wave. Like they feel like they're a part of the wave that they're in, right? Agree. So I, I that's how I think. I think if they're trying to continue that theme of like make the large characters feel like they're native to where wherever like they were released, I think a stratagem is a really cool way to try and do that. Like we said earlier, we have a few less folders to cover than normal here this week. So I figured we would just dive right ahead into the stratagems. And the first one we've got is actually Heroic Spotlight. Now, Heroic Spotlight is part of a pair of stratagems that were kind of released at the same time. But Heroic Spotlight, interestingly enough, is not like specific to a character. It's specific to Autobots the faction. So how it reads is, if your starting team is only Autobots, your deck can have up to two extra stars of blue cards. And it costs a star itself. Now, I don't know how this works with heads, uh, we were talking about this it, earlier. I guess there was a question on Facebook, right? Where like the head doesn't have any attribute when it's in head mode. It still counts as an Autobot or Decepticon, though. Yes, it just doesn't give that Decept. Like the question was if if Cup had Sergeant Cup had a Decepticon head, would he be counted as a Decepticon? And no, he, he wouldn't be. But because the head is a Decepticon, and it, your starting team is not all Autobots, that's that's where it comes in with Heroic Spotlight. Correct. Okay. Okay. I mean, I've been I've been building like when I've been building decks with this card, like I've been building safe kind of like to to lean towards that. But it would be really awesome and would open a lot up if you could play a Decepticon head on there as well. But I, I digress. Uh, what do you guys think of this card? I think it's really interesting. Watsy is trying to skew deck building towards Autobots versus Decepticons. Maybe not entirely, but. A card like this in the Villainous Spotlight that we'll talk about later definitely feels like they, they want to push it in that direction, even if it's just 
you know, for fun. I think it's really interesting. There's a lot of different double blue pipped cards that I can think of. Heroic Resolve, I think, is absolutely perfect for this. It being a secret action that keeps one of your Autobots alive when it takes lethal damage. Plus having the extra double blue pips in your deck makes for more survivability as well so it's a it's a win-win with that card i really like it it'll be interesting to see what players come up with yeah i, I think this is a good way to because there was a, a discussion a while back of people that were that wanted to, the game to be just like you build on this faction only where it's only you can only have autobots on your team and I don't think Wizards ever really wanted that to begin with. So this, so instead of doing that, they made these cards like uh, Swindled, Confidence, Heroic Spotlight, the, the, those things to reward players for playing all Autobots. And I think this is probably the juiciest reward we've gotten just yet. Heroic Resolve is is incredible. It's it's one of the most game-changing uh, secret actions, honestly. It just doesn't get played enough because it has a star cost. And this also works with Ultra Magnus armor. So if you if you want to if you're missing, uh, oh, it does. Yeah. So there are there's like some speculation about if an Ultra Magnus deck with two two big boy attack or not big boys but just two attackers could could work. So. Yeah, I was thinking about this card with Ultra Magnus armor. I, I played an Ultra Magnus deck at EI. It was all aggressive. It was. Uh, Vanguard, Ultra Magnus, and RC, all orange pips and white pips. Being able to play the the Magnus armor for basically one less star would, would give it more flexibility. Uh, would actually even allow you to play a seven star over RC or Vanguard if you really wanted to, I suppose. But the, the deck sort of revolved around uh, Vanguard protecting, protecting Magnus while he protected everybody else. Uh, the deck was really, very cool, but it but it failed for not having enough life. So I'm not sure that this helps that deck that much, but it, it could it could make a difference in that deck, and in that way it can fit inside an aggressive shell also because it could be pulling in a card that's uh, a blue and an orange pip. Well, you could play something like that had a bunch of health as a 7-star. You could play, like, basically Sergeant Mirage, right? That's a 13-health 7-star character. Well, but if you're talking about playing with Ultra Magnus, he has Brave, so he's soaking all the damage first anyway. I think specifically with that deck, Joel, that's you're pl- you're missing a star already, right? So you could just play this and then play two Fuel Cash on top of that, or you could play two Ultra Magnus armor. Oh my so, goodness! Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> one starts on Ultra Magnus, oh. and if you're not trying to keep it on him with uh, things like spare parts you might be able to draw the next one. Um, Or if you're cycling through your deck so quickly because there's so many whites as well, and you have things like Supercharge and Power Punch for RC to swing for the fences, you might just be able to grab it um, as they are both shuffling around in your deck. So this could bring a little bit more life to that deck again. It does have the ability to crush any deck in the format. Well, I think the way that the, the meta is shaping up or the way that it looks like the meta is going to shape up with uh, with a bunch of aggressive decks, a deck like that could stand a really good chance with Vanguard basically throwing a force field on Magnus every turn, no matter how hard your opponent's swinging. But I, again, the, the main weakness for that deck was that the life total was 31 between all the characters. So uh, I, I feel... <laughs> 
Most of my matches were really very close. I, I didn't lose any games really, really badly, but I felt like I was just really close a lot and not quite getting there. So the life the life was really the big deal, not the Magnus armor. Interesting. Well, I mean, so if you do have a, a, a character that you're playing alongside Magnus, who is has a big belt, sorry, bank of health, uh, you can and you do things like do things like energy transfer to move some of your damage over to that direction. Yeah, yeah, the deck did have energy transfer in it, and and RC uh, flipping, RC was the only bot that flipped in that deck, so she was healing damage every other turn. I think this is a really cool card for another for like two other reasons. One, because I think it really is a card that plays to a lot of the way that people play this on like their kitchen table, like to play the game. It feels good for a lot of people who are really big fans of the IP, but who maybe aren't as super competitive in the game. Maybe as like us, for example, they like to play all the good guys versus all the bad guys. Now, I would pick team bad guy personally, but <laughs> I think it's nice that they're giving they're, they're like this is a card that is interesting for us as deck builders in a competitive sense. There's strategic depth to it there, but I think it's also a really cool incentive for someone who is maybe a less invested player. And because it's a stratagem, you only need one. So it doesn't require a huge investment into the game to pick it up. Yeah, there's a good chance if you buy a few packs, since it's only an uncommon, that you could get one. Mm-hmm. I also think that I one thing I'm just now kind of noticing about this card is I think it might be intentionally designed to increase deck diversity amongst defensive archetypes. Because what is the iconic defensive character in the game right now? <laughs> Flame War. That is correct. Flame War Veteran Decepticon from Wave 1, who is notably not an Autobot. And Night Racer is just going to make that even worse. <laughs> yeah. So, But here's the thing, though. The, this is a card that kind of wants you to try to do something else, which I think is super interesting. So, I don't know. I like it. I don't know necessarily where it goes. I'm, I'm trying it all over the place. I, I think it's it really... Kind of a crazy card. Cool. Well, the next card that we have is Villainous Spotlight, kind of the mirror to Heroic Spotlight. It is the Decepticon stratagem, and it reads, for one star, if your starting team is only Decepticons, your deck can have up to two extra stars of orange cards. This card's really cool. I love the art on it, how it's the uh, siege art, kind of like a heroic spotlight. And if you ended up getting one of the siege spotlight playmats to EI or at another tournament after EI, um, it's kind of a condensed version, slightly altered from that artwork, but it looks so, so, so cool. So we've got, you know, Megatron on his throne, Shockwave and Starscream. Onto the card, like having two extra stars of orange cards, boy, this can be really, really brutal. We were, you know, the first thing that I think is that came to our minds, as well as probably many of you as well at home, is putting it in an airstrike patrol deck. That deck is mainly orange already, and cards like even the score with airstrike can just be so nasty the airstrike patrol is swinging for the fences they play a secret action and you kill one of their little planes and then you end up taking damage for doing so i think this makes airstrike patrol just even that much more brutal which 
I do believe that that deck needed a little bit of a boost because I don't feel that it had as strong of a game versus Galaxy Optimus, Three Wide, or Jetfire as maybe it needed to to really be as competitive as it wanted to in the Wave 4 format. So we'll see what happens with Wave 5. I was going to say cough belligerence, cough. Oh, yeah. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And so I think it got a couple of boosts. It got a lot of boosts. Yeah, this card is is the most obvious insane. Like I I saw online that there were some people that think that that there are people overstating the value of the two double the two orange star cards try playing a, a deck with only four double oranges against the mirror with six and you know you'll see just exactly how how so much stronger that other deck is it's just two more because even even if you're playing mounted missiles that's still plus two that you can play or you can play even the score which turns the aggro mirror just oh outside the head because between that and hold the line who yeah yeah, this card is this card is good. <laughs> yeah, this card's obviously going to have a massive impact, like like y'all have been talking about. Um, my friend Matthew Matthew Young, uh, who I met at PPT Dallas, and we met we talked some more at EI. He sent me a, a very aggressive deck earlier, uh, a couple weeks ago, asking me about uh, what kind of changes I would make to it from from wave five and this is definitely a card that i'd add in there it was a all decepticon deck already and i suggested adding night racer and stealth mission so that you could have even the scores and there was still another star left over so villainous spotlight would fit in there so you could put even more double oranges in there and that deck really really had a good game against um, everything that we were playtesting with it so just having nine ten eleven double oranges in your deck boy that I mean that makes that makes a lot of firepower even from tiny little guys like Raider Detour. <laughs> okay, so Kai is clearly a still a little shell shocked from some playtesting we did. <laughs> and the, <laughs> just just dude, a little bit. Dude, turn two, you swung for fourteen. Off just <laughs> one supercharge. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that wasn't a very good flip, consi- all things considering. Yeah. I still yeah. didn't KO, I still didn't KO your guy. Like he lived. I wanted him KO'd, though. Okay, that's not the point. <laughs> um, so, uh, but this card is, I think this is, unfortunately, obviously superior to um, Heroic Spotlight. I think they're really interesting cards. I, so I'm telling you what, man, these some of these stratagems are so cool. Weapons Cache, I think it's Science Officer and Stealth Mission. Uh, we have so many ways to play extra stars of cards, now, because of this, like, and I, I can't help but wonder if decks that are trying to maximize the number of those that they can play might just be really strong because I feel like it's kind of a scaling effect. Like at a certain point, like having so many star cards uh, in your deck just will mean like your average, the average power level of your draw and/or flip is just going to be massively more than what your opponent's trying to do. I don't know. I think it's something interesting that we should keep in mind going forward. My point about this one being the better one as opposed to Heroic Spotlight is really more about the fact that this one emphasizes you to play orange. Now, I think the fact that the Airstrike Patrol was the predominant aggro deck in the previous metagame means that there's already an obvious place, like an already obviously home for this. But number two, I think aggro decks are really trying to be wide. Width is very important in aggro decks we've seen historically before the printing of things like Hold the Line. 
that wider aggressive decks are better against less wide aggressive decks, right? And so one of the things about width is you really don't care about the individual characters so much most of the time. Like, there are exceptions to this, right? Like, kickback out of Insecticons is obviously the best attacker. But there's maybe some room and some pretty solid options that aren't really too much of a downgrade that you could make in order to make room for something like Villainous Spotlight in your deck. And every extra double orange that you fit in your deck is just so good because there's such a plethora of bold effects in the game. And they printed a bunch of like interesting aggro characters already into this set, and some of the, most of them are Decepticons from what I've seen. So I think watch out for this card. I think it's actually I think it might be the my second favorite stratagem in this behind Sky Shadow Sync. Like I think those are my my two kind of like my marks for what is we've seen so far that will make it into the competitive metagame. All right. So the next spoiler that we have is battle card called Camion Crash. Uh, it's a black pip action. Do one damage to one of your characters. Do two damage to an enemy character. Hooey! This boy. This boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, first I have to say, like, first of all, horrible with this card is basically a better one-shell stand. Ridiculous. Yeah. And then uh, even just this card by itself, it's it has a relevant pip compared to Plasma Burst, which I was already considering playing in some decks already. And the one damage to yourself, you can turn that to an advantage because of Energon X. And, or plane, the planes being able to put damage onto the other characters from themselves. So, yeah, this this card is going to see a lot of play, if only just from me. Yeah, I, I don't really have a whole lot to add to... This card is super strong, uh, just just better than Plasma Burst. I mean, like, I guess it's a, it's a drawback to do one damage to one of your characters, but... But not always because of Energon Axe or because of moving damage or or horrible. I mean, this this card is really very, very, very good, and the Black Pip is super relevant now. So if Kai was shell-shocked from my Villainous Spotlight decks that we've playtested recently, I'm shell-shocked from all the times my characters have been KO'd by Camion Crash outside of combat. He, I mean, like, so this card is clearly awesome. So let me start with, with the first point, which is I think that this card will see a large amount of play in decks that want direct damage, but either they can't play Marksmanship because it's there are not enough ranged characters to enable it, or just through the fact that I think Marksmanship is actually going to lose a large share of its playability in the upcoming metagame because of the fact that there are so many strong characters in Wave 5 who are, not, who are never in bot mode because they have bodies. That plus the fact that so many archetypes don't want their characters to be in bot mode, or not very many characters to be in bot mode, so the selection on your targets for marksmanship isn't very high. I think this card is, is a pretty obvious kind of like uh, fill-in for it, especially because the Black Pit means you can actually put it in some of the offensive decks, and it'll be, it'll be interestingly, inter- interestingly good there too. I also like this card a lot because it is a common, so it can go junkie on. It's going to be an automatic staple there. But lastly, and I think this is the most important part, uh, is that in the art, I think that's Nautica just booping a guy with the front of her boat, and it's <laughs> hilarious to me. <laughs> like, every time I see this card, it's going to make me giggle. I, I'm very confident about that. Yeah, I really, really, really like this card. Um, I feel that in many decks, even that are blue-based, I could even see this replacing marksmanship. The one damage just doesn't matter most of the time unless 
you've just got one character left and he's at one health, it doesn't matter. Like, let's say they're swinging for the fences at your flame war and you defend a lot and like flame war's got three or four health left. Who cares? Put a damage on her, shoot something, and the next time they attack her, they're going to kill her anyway. So the one damage, it just doesn't matter in most circumstances. I think this card is wonderfully designed, and I will be playing almost three of it in probably the majority of the decks that I build. The viewers have to give Kent a little reprieve. He's obsessed with Black Pip cards as of late. <laughs> this card's so good though uh like it's gonna go in all my sealed decks it's gonna go in a lot of my constructed decks uh and also it has a fun a couple of interactions right like you can put it on you can put the damage on things like wind charger and then move the damage to your opponent or you can put it on horrible and you can move the damage to an opponent or you can put it on a character that you want to wear an energon axe to make them damaged that's a fun combo like, there's a lot of uses for this. I think the, the one damage might actually be an upside almost as much as it's a downside uh, to your character. I think the power in this card like lies in the fact that you get to pick where the damage goes on both halves. Choice is such a powerful thing to give people in a card. It's why things like um, Swarm aren't, that, aren't as good as like maybe they once were in a smaller like, card pool because you don't have the choice of where your damage is going, even though it's a lot of damage. I do really like the idea from this set with Scouting Mission and Kami and Crash that you're using life as a resource. I think that's wonderful. I've been waiting for that, and, and horrible as well. And I can't wait to see more cards like this that use uh, life as a resource and I would love to see cards in the future that use even upgrades as a resource, like blow up one of your armors to do X, blow up one of your weapons to do Y. Something like that is really intriguing to me. I'd also love to see more characters in the future with the revenge ability. So when you do damage them on your own, they, you know, set off another trigger. I, I think that's really an interesting design space for me. All right, Joel, it's your favorite time of day. It is. It's my distinct honor to let y'all know about the next, <laughs> the next spoiler, and that is Lucky Dodge. It's a secret action with no pips, and it costs a star, so you know that it must be very, very good. You will die without honor. Thanks a lot, Worf. See, y'all see how Richard's torturing me. This is <laughs> every this, week. This year, this is definitely torture right now. He, he can't He's just stop giggling. <laughs> I'll stop. I will stop. All right. So, so anyway, it says reveal if one of your characters defends and would take an odd amount of attack damage. When it's revealed, instead that character takes no attack damage. This bears a striking resemblance to a completely unplayable card called Emergency Defense Field that did not cost a star and nobody would even play it. So let's just say this card's really bad. I 
I, I want I want to give it a chance. Uh, I mean, I don't mean I want to give it a chance when I'm at the X. I really don't want to do that. But just in case, this card could find a use in some sort of deck like if you're playing against something that's like four or five wide and you play this secret action, well, then they're probably going to swing for an Automount at some point when they're you know, attacking all four bots into your one bot. So you'll be able to negate all the damage once. Pretty neat. I um I think the only place that I would see this maybe having plays in a safeguard deck because a lot of those cards have safeguard three. So if you were if you had a lucky dodge down early enough in the game that you were playing a card, you would basically be able to get like you would put the damage ceiling on whatever you were receiving to three, right? <clears throat> and then this would trigger and if you would take that damage and say you take none. So you actually take no damage. Um, and you get a, basically like two uses out of your safeguard, but it's costing you a card, and this is a star, so I'm just not sure that's worth it. I do think it's funny that you can play this with emergency defense field together, and then guarantee your guy's gonna take no damage. <laughs> right? Like one way or another, he's <laughs> not taking any damage, or she. But I, I, this card is awful. I'm I deliberately gave this to Joel not because he was being sassy, but because. It's now become a bit of a tradition for him to get like the worst <laughs> player. I'm sorry, man. I really am. You, no, you're you sound, not. You sound very sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm smiling <laughs> ear to ear. You can't see it, but I'm smiling so much right now. Oh, man. So this card, the only thing that I can add to what's already been said is, again, if Skywarp Teleporting Seeker from Wave 2... If he gets another partner besides Barricade that loves Blank Pips and his ability to just pick up Blank Pips from the scrap pile, that's really the only time I could see even attempting to use this. And even if those cards kind of did come to fruition at some point, I still don't know that this and the emergency blast shield would be worth playing in there. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, I'm interested to build it one day, but right now I don't see this being a uh, a huge meta changer. Yeah, that other card was so bad you couldn't even remember what it's called. It's emergency defense field. Oh, oh, yes. There we go. <laughs> I think the blast shield is a different card. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> but yeah, Woo. literally the only other thing I can add is Vanguard. Vanguard would also uh, work with this, but Vanguard is very um, uh, inconsistent outside of the, the one Mirage deck. But even then, that that's already strapped for stars, so yeah. Not to mention that this is a star, and it's a, not a white pip. Yeah, in that yeah. Vanguard deck. So yeah, the, the white the star is honestly the biggest cost. But if it didn't have a star, it could it could potentially see abuse. So I understand why they put it there. But yeah, I feel like for a star, they should have at least put a green pip on it. I don't know, man. It'd be the first star card with a green pip. It would be. There are no star cards with green pips. Oh, that's so crazy. Hmm. I didn't think about that. That's really that's, interesting. There's I would, a reason for it. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually. I think if they ever do print one of those, it'd be actually I would see I would love to see like a two star card with a green pip on it. That'd be really cool. No, oh, jeez. Wait, so basically the second star would be would come a lot from the fact that you're putting a green pip on a star card, right? Yep. 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 I don't know. Just a thought. 
We've, okay. we've spent a lot more time on this card than we need to. Let's let's go on. <laughs> there was also, we, did, we did have some other card that you, that you hated that we talked about for a long time. I don't know what it was. But um, I'll move on to the next one, which is Magnetic Dysfunction Ray, uh, which is a Decepticon action. It has a little insignia in the background, the watermark. Uh, it's an orange and a black pip, and it says, Do one damage to each character. Each is capitalized. And it says, Do one damage to each Autobot on top of that. This card is insane. So the fact that this is this is another team incentive, right, for you to be playing like all Decepticons and be playing this card, because you can basically like break the symmetry on a on a fundamentally symmetrical effect. Otherwise, so you can punish your opponent for any Autobots they're playing, but you don't have to be playing any Autobots yourself, and that's really it's really powerful. Um, it's a black card, so it can work with horrible, and you can become deal one damage to each character, one damage to each Autobot, then deal one damage to horrible, then deal one damage to another guy, which is just so much damage to be coming out of one card. Like, it just seems insane to me. Um, it's an orange and black pip, which we've seen be pretty relevant uh, as of late, like in the metagame before Wave 5. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see decks that are at least have like a partial slant in that direction be, continue to be a part of the metagame. Uh, this card is good in so many levels. You can even play like a singleton in uh, major shot in uh, yeah major shockwave if you wanted to. It's a Decepticon action, so three that'd of be them, cool. maybe. Yeah. Playing three of them in orange shockwave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this card really has me foaming at the mouth to play it. I'm loving black pips right now, and how black is kind of coming into its own as a real uh, color, and while. It's just so much damage. It's so, so much damage, especially with the correct team lineup. It just gets compounded over time. And I have to say, like, I know the first three waves, and even uh, some people mentioned this in wave four. Oh, this game's all about Autobots. Everything's skewed towards Autobots. Between this and Villainous Spotlight and some of the Decepticon uh, bots and bodies that they're making, oh my goodness, like Decepticons are legit for real. You're going to see some teams that are just Decepticon based and I, I'm really happy about that because I love that faction more than the good guys. So... Yeah, th this card is going to be awesome to play with, to build around, and I guarantee you the salt is going to be flowing when people have to face this in a tournament and lose to it, you know, when it's built around properly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's almost like Decepticons won a war or something, because this set is incredible for, <laughs> for Decepticons. Yeah, Probably a little too much, and honestly, because I've seen a lot of comparisons to this with Press the Advantage, which it's not, but I see why. It's but pretty close. It, yeah, it, it's, it seems like that because there's going to be a lot of Decepticons played around with, in, with this set, because a lot of the good cards are Decepticon-based, but yeah, this, yeah, yeah, this card is very, very good. Yeah, I was going to say that this card is very akin to to press the advantage. I think the cards like this one and Villainous Spotlight are going to be very, uh, very meta-defining. Maybe even pushing other viable strategies out of the out of the meta just because they're not they're just not strong. I mean, by other strategies, I mean like they might almost push 
Autobot strategies almost completely out of the meta with cards like this that just completely hate on Autobots. We haven't seen all the cards, so I, you know, I, I hesitate to say something like that because there could be a, a, a mirror card to this for, for Autobots that we just haven't seen. I will say, just real quick, I feel like Bad Attitude should have been this card instead. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Bad Attitude was like, uh, it was almost unplayed at any level. But had Bad Attitude been this, I think we would have seen a, a different outcome. I totally yeah. agree. That and we haven't even seen the mirror to this card yet. So, yeah, I, I think I think putting reserve on judgment for now is, is pretty smart. I would love to see, like, a big heel. That'd be so cool. Ooh. Yes. Like a, <laughs> that would be so cool. Like, heal one from each of your characters, heal one from each Autobot. That would be so awesome. Like a blue-black pip. Oof. Ooh, yes. Oh, I would okay. play Slow that. down, though. I don't think they're going to burn that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Hey, man, let me dream. <laughs> I really don't dream. think that card would be particularly good. Magnetic Dysfunction Ray will always be useful. You can always deal, deal damage. There's always other bots to, to deal damage to unless the game's over and you've won. But the, the alternative that you're talking about, you might only be healing one of your bots. Or, sure. I mean, because it's it's really easy to just focus in on one guy at a time, uh, one big boy at a time. Or um, if if you're playing wide, then your bots are going down in one shot a lot of the time anyway. So I I don't see that actually being a very good card. That that would be sort of like bad attitude and people saying, well, this isn't a very good. I disagree. So I okay. think it would still be good because I think blue blue cards they do they do not put heal on blue cards very often. Yeah, right? unless it's War of Attrition, I can't really think of any other one. Well, there's Team one from tactics. this set. There's the Autobot um, armor. Emergency the repair. Oh, patch. yeah, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I am excited to see if there – I'm guessing there's a, there's a foil to this or a psych, like a, you know, an equal partner to this, the same way that was the spotlights have equal partners or Trithelium Shield and Energon Mace. I think I got it right that time. I think I actually pronounced it correctly that time. Um, have <laughs> – it's a hard word, man. Um, uh, have like a, you know equivalence on the other side of the aisle. I think it's, I think it's interesting. I'd love to see the other side. This one's going to see play regardless. I'm not reserving judgment. This card is great. I meant reserve judgment for like the set being overpowered on the Decepticon side. Oh, sure. Um, I don't know if I'm going to reserve judgment on that either. I think I'm going to lean towards yes and not confirm the answer yet. Okay, the next card that we have is Overrule. It is a black secret action that is a rare. And it says, reveal when your opponent plays a white action. Scrap that action, and it has no effect. I'm not exactly sure how to feel about this card. There are some really, really good white actions that I've played in the past, such as Equipment Enthusiast things like that. And I do feel like it's really cool that now we have a, we have infiltrate and jam signals and now we have overrule, I guess either in this set or the next set, we'll have a white secret action that scraps a black action when it's played by your opponent. So I think it's cool. I don't know that we'll see it in main decks unless white just gets out of control. Um, which I can't see happening just yet, so it's probably reserved to the sideboard. I'm sure it would be amazing to, hey, my opponent's out of cards, they play work overtime, and you're like, overrule? 
and you still get to top deck the rest of the game. That's kind of a niche situation that, you know, won't be occurring all the time. But as the game continues to develop and the meta uh, continues to develop, it could change. So I'm glad this card exists. Yeah, I think this card is just as a safety valve type of deal so that they can print more powerful uh, white actions. Um, And also to to mirror the uh, infiltrate and jam signals just so that there is one of each one and so that you can, if for some reason they would print something that would be deemed overpowerful <clears throat> belligerence. <clears throat> uh, then, <laughs> then, uh, <clears throat> cough, 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 cough. cough. Yeah, it, I think this is just like a safety valve type of deal. Yeah, I think Infiltrate and Jam Signals are great cards. I, whenever I whenever I saw them initially, I was like, wow, that card's really good. Oh, man, awesome. They're printing these counter counterspell type, type secret actions, but uh, overrule targeting just a just a white pip there, there's not any really good white pip decks out there there uh, there are no so you say that's fair there's no oh, really oh, okay. good one. there are white pip decks out there well, there haven't been there any that topped all right all right all right so anyway what i'm trying to say is like even when even when you know that your opponent's going to play an action that's the color that you want like if you were playing jam signals the, that card's often not strong enough so this one at least at this point, you're just sort of hoping that they're going to play a white pip. So I don't think this card is very useful right now. But uh, like Kai was saying, it's a it's a safety valve kind of card. They can print really really powerful white pip cards later, and you'll have an answer built in right away. So uh, it's a neat card, but I don't think it's going to see a lot of play right now. Yep, I uh, I don't think I have too much to add except for I kind of have, ironically um, I think it's literally the spot next to Paralyzo Box, and one of the things I said about that card when it was spoiled was that I think its existence is really powerful in the same way. And I think the same thing about Overrule, which is that I think it very subtly pushes the the game in a way where it is disincentivizing monocolored decks. And, you know, Jam Signals and Infiltrate are, uh, they do a very similar thing, right? So basically what they're doing is if it's not a guessing game, those cards are really high power level. And if it is a guessing game, then those cards are relegated to the sideboard. So they kind of self-police. And Overrule is one of those things where if they do print something broken in white, let's let's say that there are is are, are maybe like an, another awesome white action that could go into a combo deck in the future or something like that, Overrule would be a great card because no matter which one they played, you could hit it with Overrule. I think it's really powerful this card exists. I think it's cool. I don't know that it has a spot. But I wouldn't be surprised if one day I registered a copy of Overrule in a tournament. One day. All right, so the next card we have is Plasma Horn. It's a white pip upgrade weapon. Uh, gives plus one attack, and when the upgraded character attacks and you flip battle cards, if you flip at least four whites, scrap this card. If you didn't, the upgraded character gets plus one until end of turn for each white pip you flip. It's unfortunate that it would scrap after four white pips, but necessary if this card sees play maybe in the uh ultra magnus deck that you were talking about joel but uh if this card does see play i think the end of turn thing is the thing that they're going to be trying to abuse with like the uh, mirage white deck or the uh with blur potentially so i think i think this card there there could be something there it has too much variance for me to check it out but again it's yeah i think i think there could be something down the line for sure this is exactly the kind of card that Richard was just talking about, disparaging people from from using a all the same color pips deck. I mean, where would this be most effective? Well, if you had 
almost all white pips. Well, when are you going to hit four white pips? When you have almost all white pips. So the the variance, the the variance would be a lot if you ever wanted to use this card. If you're if you're in the kind of deck where you're going to be guaranteeing that it's helping you out quite a bit, you probably have too many white pips. You're going to blow it up. So I think this is a neat card, um, but I, I I don't think that it's going to go in a whole lot of decks. It it would be pretty good in that uh, in that Ultra Magnus deck, though. That's a really good idea. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I think that this is a really interesting card in the fact that it's like the highest base power increase for a white weapon, right? So like as far as weapons with white pips go, <clears throat> this is the highest buff you can get from this. So if we're assuming that this is in a deck where you're going to be able to trigger it without scrapping it, let's just say let's assume you're flipping two to three whites, right? So let's if we're aiming for two whites, right? That means it's getting plus two on top of the, the static plus one that it always gives as, as a weapon, which means it is a plus three weapon in white, which is very good. And my guess is that there won't be too many occasions where you don't hit, like, a, where you might hit, like, a, a third white pip um, without KOing the weapon itself, which would be a plus four that stays on your guy, which is pretty powerful if you can try and make that be a consistent thing. But I, I don't know that you actually can make it be super consistent. On that note, but I don't know that it's for me. There's definitely there there are people out there who are gonna try and tackle this deck building puzzle, and I wish them the best of luck. I actually have a different opinion on this card, and and a lot of people may laugh at at what I'm about to say, and maybe it's terrible, <laughs> but I think that there's some potential with this card, and with basically a half-white, half-orange deck that is based around motorcycles. And you have Flamor, you have RC, you have Chromia, you have Bike Gang. Um, maybe you have uh, Pterodon, that um, Autobot. Yeah, Taraxodon, <laughs> whatever he's called. Um, or you play Vanguard as the fourth character, and if you if you have like bike gang out there and you've got, you know, several oranges that you're flipping and a couple whites, that's a lot of damage. That's a heck of a lot of damage. So who knows? I'm not saying that that is going to be a tier one deck or anything, but I don't know. I think that's something worth looking at. I actually tried some stuff with you know, white orange motorcycles and it's it's not bad. It swings a lot harder than you might realize. You know, and then Chromia just being able to pick up whatever white card she wants. Oh look, here's Papa Wheelie, which we all laughed at, you know, when Wave Four came out. <laughs> but it that card is not that bad in a motorcycle based deck. And you know, when you can add uh, basically a, a grenade launcher almost. At the very least, it's kind of like a Energon Axe plus three when you swing, and then the other pips are orange, and then they're swinging back, and you have Flame War. You, you might hit a white pip, and now they can only deal five to your guys. That's not that bad. So, I don't know. I actually think it might be worth exploring. Well, good luck to you, sir. Because that sounds fun, but I, I that is too much variance for me to try. <laughs> I didn't say it would be tier one. Of, of course, of course. <laughs> to shoot a hole in that, or to wet blanket on your on your deck idea, Kent, um, I, I think that 
one of the, one of the big problems with a deck like that would be that you can't play any bold or anything. So you're yeah. you're only going with whatever straight you know straight damage you're getting from the base stats of your character and whatever you're getting out of your weapons. Well, because, because you'd be afraid to bold because in that case you're probably going to blow up your your weapon. You do get head-on collision, which is a white pip and plus three. You get reckless charge, which is a plus four and an orange. Yeah, and you could always have, like, use your power punch or your supercharge on the character that isn't wearing plasma horns. I think that would be adequate and fine. Now, do you want it to make, do you want to turn it into bold dot deck? No. Uh, but as Richard said, head-on collision and, and reckless charge, th- those are probably good fits around this card. All right, well, moving on. I get the cards with all the pips tonight. Um, we're going to move on to... It's a better card. This is a much better card. This is a better card. Uh, <laughs> still no pips. This is this is a no pip um, <laughs> uncommon action. Uh, it's called Supporting Fire. It reads, one of your characters gets plus one attack until end of turn. It can attack untapped characters this turn as though they were tapped. This is a really good effect. It, it it's it's the only reason that anybody would play uh, Legendary Warrior from from Wave One, and that card didn't really see a whole lot of play. I I think a lot of people might get excited about this card because it, it helps them get around whatever meat shield their their opponents trying to throw out, but. Uh, a lot of decks are currently employing a lot of stealth or a lot of brave, mostly stealth. So it actually won't help you get around any of that. If a if if a character is stealth, you still can't attack it, even if you may attack untapped characters when they have stealth. I think supporting fire could be good um, in like limited in particular, because I think it's a really good way to just take care of little Titan Masters who pop off, because they you don't have to have too much of a bonus to KO them. Most of them are really tiny. I wish this card had any pip on it, literally any pip, and I think it would see a reasonable amount of play. I don't really have an idea for the home for it. It's cool. I love the effect. I wish it was on more cards, but um, yeah, right now I'm I'm lukewarm. Yeah, I will say like this card is important if you're not siding into Bumblebee Legendary Warrior which that card was actually pretty essential to sideboard into if you were playing a cards deck and you faced down bugs, that would allow you to kill Kickback early on before he can swing for the fences. Um, So Legendary Warrior, I think that's really the only place that Legendary Warrior has had a Bumblebee, uh, has had a steady spot. But since Bugs doesn't really make up much of the metagame anymore, and neither does cards, it's not as relevant. I could see this card being sided into, like, say you're playing against three-wide Galaxy Optimus, and you're playing an aggro deck, and you're just wanting to get more hits on Galaxy Optimus to wear, or, you know, Jetfire, uh, to help wear down their health so you're not, you know, swinging into one of their little guys. This could help you do that. I like the fact that it does give plus one in addition to giving you that ability. So I can actually see this card being played probably in the upcoming metagame that we're seeing because we're expecting a lot of orange, and this ability is incredibly powerful in that metagame because you just take out their best attacker just without them being able to prepare for it. Um... I do have a story, though. Uh, this is a story about Ancel, uh, what you may know uh, from one of our interviews. 
uh, at mm. the beginning of the channel, uh, life. At Gen Con, he was playing this really crazy aggro deck that was playing um, Razorclaw. And basically the idea was you go first, you swing into their best guy. Turn two, you flip Razorclaw, you swing into their best guy again, and then boom, their best guy's gone. Which uh, That's how I feel this card is going to be played, or Razorclaw or Legendary Warrior. I think those cards may see a resurgence as players try to uh, out-aggro one another. I do. You know what? I was actually thinking about something. This card might be very good with Fangry, specifically. Yes, yes, that too. Because you can pick who you're attacking, so you can kind of guarantee you're going to turn on the bold too. And in that way, it's not just a plus one attack, the guy you want to attack. It's also a bold too, because it's kind of turning it on. Whereas most of the time, if you're not going very first, uh, Fangry is not going to get to attack who he wants to attack right away. This could change that. Mm-hmm. All right, this is the last spoiler for the day. Uh, no crying. I told you guys you weren't going to cry on this one. Uh, versatility. It's another blank pip action. All the blank pips today. Um, it says, choose one of your characters. Uh, when it attacks for the first time this turn, you flip at least one battle icon. Repair one damage from it for each different color among battle icons you flipped. Okay, so the first thing that jumps out to me about this card is that there are a lot of conditions on it. It feels like a card that was broken several times in playtesting for them. Right? It's so like when it attacks for the first time this turn... Uh, I think that is something that maybe it was played with Blur and he just never died. Because he could attack attack and flip, hit a bunch, and then he could uh, like heal four, untap, attack, like hit a bunch and heal four again. Um, Or maybe like Mirage could do something like that. I don't know. But um, this card is really, it's weird. It's a weird card. I like that they're experimenting more with heal or like repair, I guess. Because. I would really like to see a deck kind of centered around repair as its kind of like unique take at tackling a metagame be a part of it. But I still think this is a miss. Again, uh, they are just so afraid to put pips on certain types of effects, and I do not know why. Um, there's no pip on this. I'll play it in my sealed pool if I have a big dude, right? Because uh, sometimes just like a heal three is a, a turn. It's a whole turn. But I... Unfortunately, am I'm down on this one. I can the first thing that came to my mind with this cuz I'm experimenting a lot with Fortress Maximus and he just flips so many different pip cards and because you can't run like a ton of blue in that deck because you are trying to get, you know, all these triggers to activate. I still don't know if I would play it in that deck, but that is the first thing that came to mind. Uh, so I think the deck that actually might have broken it might have been the Ratchet deck, the Wave 3 Ratchet. Um, basically, uh, anytime this, this heals, that gives damage to Ratchet, and that could that could pile up pretty quickly because you're, you're healing with your... Um, is Are there stuff that upgrades that heal? There's probably like one or two, but... There's one in this set. There's the Autobot shield that heals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this was probably just a repair five, heal five, and that was probably just a little too crazy. I wish this card was more playable because the first card that I thought of was um, Battlefield Legend, being able to grab it, but then you have to attack with it, and on top of that, it didn't trigger if you flipped it off Battlefield, yep. and I was sad. I kind of like this card. I don't think it'll see play. Yeah, the first card that jumped out to me as what might have broken this card was uh, Nitro Boosters, um, being able to oh. untap something that's little, that's that's helping your deck out a lot, but but not really not 
having a whole lot of health, something like Flame War or something like that. Night so, Racer? Yeah. Well, taking out taking out Flame War would make your entire team weaker because you'd lose the tough. So you attack you attack with her a couple times, heal her all the way back up, and you're like, ha-ha, I get to start over with Flame War, basically. <laughs> so uh, cards like that, I think, might have been where they were going with that. I'm not in the design team. I honestly have no idea what they're what they're doing with that. I, I wish it had a pip on it, a pip of any color. Give it a green pip so that we can at least draw the card and like see if it works. Yeah, would would, would be nice. I think Nitrobooster is an interesting take on it. Maybe that was what did it, especially because, uh, like if if it's the wheel turn, you get to attack again, yep. which is kind of insane. Okay, that is the last um, uh, spoiler we have, but. The podcast is not done. Thank you for listening, whether on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, since we're now on the podcast portions there. Under transformyourgame.net, all one word. You can find us by searching just the first part, Transform Your Game, and it'll also get you to us. I think we're also on Podcast Republic and Stitcher 2 now. Kai, you're kind of the manager of that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so I didn't submit anything to Podcast Republic, but okay. I, I saw that we were on there. So I know one or two listeners listening on there. So if you could correct me on that, that'd be great. But I believe we are on both. Okay. Uh, on Stitcher specifically, you I haven't been able to found, find us by typing transform your game for some reason. But I have been able to find us at, through uh, Transformers TCG. So go go figure. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, as long as it works, you know. Yeah, the um, the links will be in the description down below. So if you if you listen on any of those two, just get, just go in there. Yeah, if it, if it's easier for you in the future to listen on some of those apps, like go ahead, check us out there. Um, that ought to do it for episode six. Uh, before we let you go, if you find the input information here valuable, you can find more strategy analysis, tournament reports, and more like it at transformyourgame.net. Uh, like, subscribe, leave comments, and until next time, clear eyes, flip bots, can't lose. <laughs>